Welcome to Defern and luckily this is not a live show so you don't know that we are horribly delayed because of me. <laughs> um this is episode number 82 I think. It yes. says 82 up there. <laughs> it says 82 up there because I typed it. So okay. I don't know if I typed it wrong. <laughs> It's like one of those Wikipedia articles you just go and then edit it yourself and then claim that that is the truth. <laughs> so Yeah, let's 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 cycle out 82. So this is episode number 82 and um this which I as usual um a bit late to the to the recording. <laughs> and uh we have Ray. Ray, are you still in Belgium or still in Belgium? Like your I ah, did okay. there's no there's no news of me moving unless you know something I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so so you got boosted as well. I like, got um, boosted. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You've been transposed so, to another location, undisclosed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for a different recording. Anyway, hey, wait, who who's the hey, mystery who noise? That? Yeah, whoa, whoa. Yeah, got got that, Yes, that, hello. I am yourself. Ben. <laughs> My name is Ben Sless. I and I love closure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. You uh, you did everything everything you're you're asked to do and then you can take your money and then that's it. That's the that's the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Everybody coming here. I fell backwards into closure and uh but best happy accident, I have to say. <laughs> nice. Welcome Ben. Welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank um, you. So um yeah, so uh, which undisclosed location are you based in? Uh I am in the undisclosed location of uh, Israel. Um, Ooh. Yes. Right. And currently uh, located in uh, the small-ish city of Herzliya, right outside uh, Tel Aviv. And mm. uh that's where I live, that's where I work. Ooh. There is a plenty of um, Israelites or uh, in uh, enclosure community now, right? Uh It's, it's relatively yeah yeah not, not because as, of the texan texan is a proportion really, really there seems to be a lot more israelis yeah. than indians you know given that's true. <laughs> but the relative yeah, size in closure you mean in, yeah. in, in closure not in yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's usually a function <laughs> yeah. of of like the the company that is the hub for that if you look at the google trends for example you'll right, see yeah. that most google searches for closure are centered around Ertselia just like in Finland <laughs> you'll see that most closure google searches are centered around Tampere. Right. Well that that would mean people in those cities are getting stuck with closure a lot. <laughs> you know if yeah, you just, see you know there are there are, there are the zero closure queries from where I live from because that means everybody is expert at closure <laughs> they don't need to google for this shit anymore. <laughs> yeah they don't need help they know their shit. Yeah. Totally. Also, yeah, yeah. most closure programmers are using DuckDuckGo now, so you know it's off the list. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, um, so uh, somewhere near Tel Aviv, uh, I'm not sure if I can pronounce your uh, uh, town's name properly. It's okay. It's it's almost as hard to pronounce as uh, my uh, uh, surname. Well, well, yeah, but you're. from England I presume so for you it's yeah. quite easy to pronounce but oh. that or like the origin from which it was simplified which was Schlesinger which is even harder to pronounce especially when you just see it written down mm. ah. so you know sounds... a, 
around three generations ago it was changed because it was hard to pronounce and to read. <laughs> so like, okay, these people can't spell our names, so I'm going to make it easier for them. <laughs> well, I think, oh. you know, you, you Indian folk have a common problem now. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, no, we don't have the problem because, good evening, my name is Michael. How can I help yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> We're all named Michael from Texavort anyway, so yeah. that's much easier. <laughs> yeah, and then you try to read the the Mahabharata, and it's like I it, it takes a couple of minutes to get through the name, the title, <laughs> but I got it. I got it. Not 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 bad, not bad. But usually, I think even Indians don't read Mahabharata. You know, that is the. Uh, th- that is the thing. So it's like an epic of, um, maybe you heard it, right? Right. I mean, it's like the epic of, epic poem of a fight between generational people fighting over who wants to be the king and all that shit. So it's a... The, the tale is old as time. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those Homeric poem sort of thingy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, it, the the tricky part of Mahabharata is that there is no one written source. It's always like you know, people keep adding some local flavors to it. So everybody who who starts to tell the story, they're like changing and twisting and adding their own characters to it and then <laughs> extending it. <laughs> so, but anyway. Yeah. And what's nice about it is that unlike the Homeric epics or the sagas, that is one of the oldest epic poems which is still being told today yeah 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 so there's still a continuity of like bardic tradition yeah back I from mean, the th- days this is, of... this is i think it's it's because probably uh, our religion is so much tied to these characters and, and as long as the religion is there you know it's all like it's kind of inevitable not to bump into the shit because everything is compared from that one or every morality you know, a story is linked to that story or Ramayana or Mahabharata, you know, one of these things. And and the, the whole, uh, the, the the Bhagavad Gita, which is part of Mahabharata, at the, not at the end, but near the war, uh, with the big war thing. Um, so that's that's the central uh, philosophical discussion in that one is still relevant. So it, you cannot, you know, you cannot ignore Mahabharata. That's uh, if you're an Indian. So anyway. Yeah, it's I nice think that, that concludes it's... the Indian uh, Indian <laughs> theology part of uh, this podcast. I think we can yeah. get to the well, we had a bit meat of time, it now. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> More coming, given there are billions of Indians. I think yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we will we will eventually you know, reach that conclusion that every programmer who is writing closure becomes Indian, you know, by, yeah. by virtue of number of Indians. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's Let's like hope it, there, yeah. there's a, a joke in... Israel. After the 90s, we had a really large immigration wave from Russia. Mm-hmm. So oh. around, uh, yeah, after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, plenty mm-hmm. of Jews who used to live there and couldn't leave just p- packed up sticks and came here. And around yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, they started having a joke. They w- would ask people who were born in Israel, uh, how long have you been living here? Don't you speak Russian? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So eventually, every programmer would have to be up to speed on their uh, Indian uh, Indian. (laughs) Yes. Indian myths and Indian food (laughs) and everything. Part of the curriculum. Totally, totally. Anyway, so let's talk about um, you know your uh, 
coding journey. We'll we'll get back to all the uh, the the Indian mythological section of it again. I think. Yeah. So this, this is like new, new sections of the podcast now. We've got in, Indian yeah. sort of stories and Emacs. You know, I so, think so. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, man, what, what else did you expect having an Indian Emacs guy on the podcast? I mean, after eighty <laughs> episodes, it is going to conclude. You're gradually, then, yeah, you're gradually exactly. Now it's converging towards. So the, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you yourself the, are actually bringing this hegemony <laughs> into reality. The, the singularity is that you know writing Sanskrit in Emacs, and that is going to be the final, final mm. singularity. Programming in Sanskrit. <laughs> yes, exactly. But let's not get there because you know there are a bunch of Indians who think that. Oh, some years ago, NASA decided Sanskrit is the best language for computing. This bullshit keeps on going on and on. <laughs> so, hey, it's it's, it's like just a, like arguing with common lispers. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> it has been standardized in the 80s. We don't need a new language. We don't need concurrency <laughs> standards. We don't need functional data structures. There's a the web. <laughs> yeah, we, there, there, there's a library for that. You can use Fset that has uh, de degraded the per performance characteristics, and it's only uh, logarithmic. We we don't need your fancy newfangled uh, data structures. Common Lisp is good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. So why did you why did you choose Closure then? <laughs> <clears throat> so. Uh, I didn't choose the closure lifestyle. The closure, closure lifestyle chose, <laughs> chose me. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, I, I, I didn't start out closure with a computer. Thrust upon you. Uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I was I was folded into the shape of a pretzel, and and then my boss told me <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need to rewind uh, a bit. I didn't start out as a computer programmer. I started out uh, as an electrical engineer. And well, so that real programmer <laughs> in adjacent field, but <laughs> no, I, I found myself in this, the VLSI industry. Know, yeah, it's a pretty depressing not these industry. Peasants who don't study, you know, electronics and have no idea how computers work. And yeah, so I studied electronics. <laughs> I I had to build a basic CPU in in the hardware yeah. description language in, in school. Oh yeah, yeah, all yeah. that jazz. And yeah. I I wanted to. You know, to work with electronics, and I thought it was really interesting. And I, a, I kind of sucked at it, and B, uh, <laughs> as a new grad in electrical engineering, I found myself sucked into something else, which was the VLSI industry in Israel, which sucks mm. most of the uh, electrical engineering graduates who find themselves working either in Intel, Apple, or Amazon. Yeah, mm. and. I uh, was trying to find myself there, and as I was still learning and developing, I started to have fun programming and to and I was hacking and fighting with the internal tooling. And since I couldn't install anything because I had no pseudo permissions on the machines we were working on, I had to compile everything. So. Uh, in about a year, I find myself compiling GCC in order to build Common Lisp to learn how to program in Lisp. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that combined with teaching myself some Python, I thought I wanted to do machine learning. That didn't turn out. But I was having lots of fun with Lisp and Scheme and SIGP. Mm -hmm. And then as 
I was training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I met my boss. And that's why I said I was being folded into the shape of a pretzel because he kept kicking my ass. <laughs> and then thrown into a hammock. Yeah. You're the, you're the, you're the second uh, guest who's been into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, yeah but Will, Will is way more on. serious yeah. than, uh, than me. All right. He has, okay. He's a black belt and I'm just a, a dabbler. Oh, not a right, shame right, because right. I was just thinking, you know, we should have an episode where you guys fight each other and then uh, <laughs> uh, I'm tapping out even before that episode begins. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, I got to, to know uh, Reshef, who who's a great guy and mm. uh, we've, we would chat a bit about technology and stuff. And when I decided I wanted to finally make the change out of electrical engineering, I hit him up on LinkedIn and told him, hey, I thought I heard you were looking for uh, for programmers. And he's like, yeah, sure, send me your uh, CV. And then I checked on his LinkedIn, and he's the CTO of the company. He's the co-founder. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, no, no pressure. The co-founder uh, is your referrer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I had to uh, meet those expectations, and I came in pretty excited. Yeah, I think they're still laughing at me about how excited I was during the interview process. And then <laughs> I started working in AppsFlyer, and I'm still there. And that's how oh. I fell back into Closure. And nice. I was how fortunate is it to go from uh, looking at William Beard lectures and my free time mm-hmm. to not even having to cross the street to go to an interview, <laughs> <laughs> literally the next building over and started working in closure. That's yeah, that's super cool. I mean, like you literally could fall actually literally backwards into work. <laughs> Exactly. So I, I both fell on my ass physically and metaphorically yeah. into that. <laughs> but before before starting with closure, so you said you're doing some VLSI stuff. Is it Verilog or VHDL or because those are kind of sort of functional stuff as well, right? I mean, they're not. Uh, the, I know they're they're because I, I've been there a little bit. You know, I I don't remember much of the shit, but I did some electronics engineering some time ago. Uh, I was doing pretty much the same stuff as well. That, uh, so I did I the physical design part, mm-hmm. yeah, and mostly related to timing simulations and analysis of data. Yeah, and even found some opportunities to utilize what I learned about uh, home iconicity and code generation in a yep. few places because the hardware industry is still the only industry which uses uh, Tickle. <laughs> which yeah. is the only other home iconic language uh, yeah, yeah. out there besides Lisp. Yeah, but with, uh, with Python bindings or you know oh, that's a TK and TCL and you No, you no, pure T- TCL. Pure T- oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh that that was my life for about 3 years. Yeah. And then started with closure and all the uh practices and methodologies of software development and stuff like that. And I, I didn't really do VHDL too much. And mm. it, it's declarative, but calling yeah. it functional or a programming language is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's and a very specific, um, domain-specific thing anyway. Right? Very. But but how did you... Because for me, it's a, it's a really big 
um, conceptual jump, right? Because it's like from Mariana Trench to Everest level. <laughs> you're, you're now, yeah, exactly. Because when, when you're writing the HDL, you're like really at the guts of the thing. And then you're you're writing in terms of the signals and everything. Yeah, but and I wasn't writing you're, the you're HDL. all the way up. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, if you're I was looking... Analyzing level, tons yeah. of data and writing uh, workflows. And basically, you, you can think of it as somewhere between scripting and programming. Mm -hmm. And it also depends which part of the cake uh, you get to work on, because yeah. chips, uh, silicone chips are such complex and conceptually big pieces of engineering that you can find yourself working on remotely different things and sitting next to someone who does something else. Mm -hmm. And you're both yeah. working even on the same piece of hardware the same area mm. in the chip. But you're writing code all day and he's running simulations all day. Mm. Yeah. And how was the... So because of Apps Flyer, did you start learning Clojure or did you already start experimenting the Clojure? Because you said you, you experimented with Scheme and Common Lisp and all that stuff. So Yeah, so I experimented mostly with Scheme. Mm -hmm. And I... Uh, got into Clojure and looking at my uh, foreclosure solutions from back then at the beginning, they look very schemish <laughs> and uh, took me some time to learn the Clojure style and idioms. And I, I remember coming into Clojure, I, I thought, oh, that's, that's barbaric. That's, uh, <laughs> you don't need that. You don't need this. And I uh, came down from that tree in about a month when I realized mm. it was actually useful and usable and readable. Mm. and You mean things like uh, maps and vectors and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, and even having less, uh, le less pairs of parentheses in yeah, cont yeah. forms and let forms yeah. and stuff like that. And since I didn't have any um, prior knowledge or background in software, I wanted to you know cover as much ground as i could and to, to learn all the best practices and to 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 find all the material i could about software engineering because mm -hmm. i felt like i needed to play catch up and <laughs> and having done that i uh consumed a ton of material that it, it seems like people just skip even in the software industry yeah 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 and and very quickly, I found myself becoming the person who answers questions and not the person who uh, wastes your time with questions. And <laughs> and people would come to me for a five-minute question and end up with a one-hour answer. <laughs> so what kind of materials are you talking about? Well, I didn't know anything. So it was about closure and about Git and unit tests and... Right. Okay. And type systems and the history of programming. And, you know, I ended up consuming all the Rich Hickey back catalog and Kevlin Henney and um, Joe Armstrong talks. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I skipped all the, the introductory material and went right to the greats. And. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Jerry Sussman and William Beard and Nada Amin. Hmm. So, so that that was like my baseline an introduction to closure and programming, and those are that that was what I was was giving myself to think about and process as I was going through everything. Mm. Yeah, but because the common Lisp is uh, well, quote unquote, native, right? I mean, you don't have any VMs or anything there. Um, I mean, except for the runtime, obviously. Um, but Clojure has JVM and Clojure Script has JavaScript, and because we still feel sometimes like okay, Clojure has this leaky Java thing coming in. I mean, not not even leaky because we we embrace the host, you know, like we uh, using Clojure. So, did you see or uh, did you catch up on Java related stuff as well? JVM oh yeah, things. I learned Java through Clojure because <laughs> <laughs> it it was my I habit. Hope, I hope not Clojure code base. You mean through Clojure, <laughs> but not Clojure code base. Oh. I, 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 and if you let me write Java now, I would write really weird Java. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like when when I was fighting internal tooling and the uh, back at work in Intel or Apple, I just went and read the source. So yeah, all right. I I was digging into closure and digging somewhere to closure, and, and then you you reach the Java. Uh, Event horizon. Layer. It's like, okay, what do you yeah. do? You just go and read the implementation in Java. Well, obviously, yeah. no, no one told me it's weird Java. And mm. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, then I uh, started learning Java and getting to know the the VM and the like, the fine details regarding that. Mm. And mm. and I find it kind of. It's not wrong, but and it's not coy, but there's something off about saying that, oh, Clojure has the JVM and it's leaky and Common Lisp uh, mm-hmm. is native because in Common Lisp, you can always compile against uh, a native C library. And you don't say yep. that leaks. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you just no, I mean, there, talk there to is it. More, that's true, but there is more like... Um... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I didn't have any commercial experience with Common Lisp, but the thing is that Common Lisp pretty much stands on its own, right? I mean, there is no... Of course, you can use foreign, you know, FFI, and so you can use every programming language these days, you know, you, you want to use uh, C libraries, you know, that's the, that's kind of a standard uh, mechanism. But what I meant with Clojure is that Clojure basically, it, it will not exist without having JVM. It, it's not possible. So I think the other way of saying it is that, like, the Lisp, the Lisp runtime was made for Lisp, but the mm. Clojure runtime was not made for Clojure. Yeah. Well, that's true. And, mm. you know, there is the Clojure and Clojure project, but it isn't like the official going to happen. I don't think Clojure. Uh, yes, but it, it works. I mean, tools emitter works. Mm. You can use it to mm. compile your own Clojure if you'd like, and you can write uh, extra passes on top of that. No one is stopping yeah. you. To uh, from using that as a compiler instead of Clojure eval. Hmm. But if you want to do something useful uh, today, <laughs> uh, you, you have to use... Use Common Lisp. <laughs> no, you, you, ha- you have to use like a foreign library. You have to use the outside yeah. world. If you want to use Kafka and Common Lisp, you're going to use uh, 
the the C library, and if you want to use Kafka in Clojure, you're going to use the Java. Uh, the Java client. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I I don't feel bad about having to target the JVM or uh, or having to consume uh, libraries written in Java. And when you get right down to it, the JVM is a pretty good platform. And the fact that the compiler enclosure emits JVM bytecode and not uh, an executable, yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah. It, it yeah, works, yeah. and I have fun every day at work. So uh, hmm. sh shut up, you back there in the crowd who has <laughs> something <laughs> nasty to say. <laughs> but what about the performance? That, uh, that is my, uh, my white whale. <laughs> uh, so we finally reached the meat of the topic. Ishmael here. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how I got into that. I think it was uh, by having uh, continual uh, slap fights with some architect uh, who works uh, with us, and mm. I really hat off to that guy. He is very very knowledgeable and professional and he knows his shit but guy probably married java that's okay it's okay to, to each I their hope, own I, I hope he's he's listening to the podcast and we can just say <laughs> thank you for for putting ben through all this pain so he's yeah, working on the performance shit now. I, I doubt that he is listening to this podcast but uh <laughs> i i learned a lot even from his uh snide remarks and jibes and uh <laughs> and things because he each one of those would send me down a wild goose chase and I'd learn, learn uh, something new. Uh, yeah. That and well, hate, hate is a form of education as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like the. Uh, or a motivation for education, let's say. <laughs> he's like the, the stern uh, Zen master who right. keeps yeah. hitting you or giving you uh, weird tasks to do and suddenly you find that you've reached enlightenment. <laughs> 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 so I. So that and he sent me to watch a lot of uh, Gil Tenna's uh, right. uh, lectures about performance and the JVM and even how to measure things correctly and what we're measuring and how we're testing it. And yeah. then naturally, what do you do? You start profiling and you start measuring and you find a ton of performance lying on the floor just waiting to be picked up. Mm. Uh, I found lots of atrocious uh, bad habits uh, and performance mistakes, everything from yeah. calling satisfies at, uh, at runtime. Mm. And I found it inside our code base. I found it in open source code bases, mm. uh, like in the, uh, the Lambda Forge data log parser. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the uh, easy pickings. Where I started with, yep. but hmm. uh, as you get deeper into like async profiling and uh, just in time compiling, and yep. for the listeners who don't know, the JVM is a bytecode interpreter. It's a stack machine, but it's also mm -hmm. it has a just in time compiler which can compile all of this down to assembly. If uh, the stars align correctly and the circumstances are favorable, and <laughs> I 
and for some <laughs> it depends on the phase of the moon <laughs> yeah and, and for some pull requests i even found myself analyzing jet logs uh hmm. in some cases uh so it, it's a whole area of yeah of research and you you need to understand how those things interact with the hardware not just the jvm and how those things get first compiled to bytecode how they run on the jvm jvm execution model itself and yeah. then how that maps to hardware mm-hmm. and that might behave differently in different jvm versions and you need to make sure that the jvm is working as you'd expect it to work and not that someone turned off your jit to be helpful and <laughs> and, and then you you ask a question on uh, ask uh, closure and you say hey you know that you can go through this api instead of that api and it will be mm-hmm. way faster and they say well yeah theoretically but why didn't you short circuit using count and mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, then you run up against the uh, the closure process and at the and you have to curb your enthusiasm a bit <laughs> Before before we go in a bit more detail, so wh- why did you? I mean, given the fact that you're kind of like falling into closure, what made you focus on performance rather than aesthetics? Or you know, uh, why you know were, were you suffering? Was performance? A, why did performance become a focus for you? Because um, it doesn't seem like um, it's the most important thing in the closure world. I'm not saying performance is like, of course, performance is important, and you know, in certain situations, it's critical. But why, why, do, why are you motivated by that particular aspect of the uh, of the, the language? So it's one of those things where you also just find by accident. And I read about profiling and things like that, and I was just curious. And I said, okay, let's profile our services because we process a ton of events every day and maybe Mm. we could do it better and specifically we have an event-driven architecture and apps flyer and uh, tens of billions of events every day so shaving even a few percent of performance there uh does mean real money uh right the end of the hosting on amazon or something yes we're running on aws and Mm. plenty of instances and if you manage to save even you know a few pennies here, a few pennies there, the law of big numbers comes into play and you can save a mm. lot. Uh, yeah. So, for example, when you cut out reflection from some critical piece of code, you uh, increase your throughput by 25%. Easily, well, more like 25 times. You know, but <laughs> yeah, so that, that wasn't even like the, the meat of the service. Yeah, mm. right. And by just cutting it out, they improved throughput by 25%. And that's real money when you're talking hundreds of instances. Absolutely. And th- those are fairly simple savings as well, aren't they? You know? Pardon? That's a fairly simple mechanism to get savings just to avoid reflection. Yeah, exactly. So that that's one of what I mentioned about performance lying on the floor. It's Hmm. you profile something and then you see this big chunk of 
satisfies or merge or flattens. And you ask yourself, what the fuck mm-hmm. is that? <laughs> Why is that here? <laughs> Who <Yeah>. did that? <laughs> and it's a day of work to get rid of it. And suddenly you increased your throughput or you increased your, uh, your response time. And for example, if you have to serve billions of requests every day, uh, increasing your response time is also something which might be critical. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I I was like infatuated with the beauty and the libraries and core and I was getting into core async and core logic and I was having tons of fun and then I profiled some service and I looked at the results and I was like, uh, guys, what's that? <laughs> why why are we doing that? <laughs> and and then suddenly everywhere you look you see a ton of performance problems or just things which accumulated. Just due to negligence and time. So you 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 have a T-shirt saying "I see slow code." <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes. So 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 now it's a, it's almost a joke uh, at work that I'm the the performance guy and don't uh, be, be careful if you come to me with questions about that. But but at at what point you know we you think you lose the uh because w- when you start writing closure you know um you don't consider these kind of things like you know putting type hints to avoid reflection or constants or whatever all all these things right um uh, because the, those are ceremonial shit that you know uh, don't contribute to the logic or, or contribute mm-hmm. to the thought process when you're writing code um exactly you, like, you want to write beautiful because, code because, eventually and have fun yeah not... exactly and, and yeah i mean beautiful code that does nothing you know that's the main goal <laughs> <laughs> so so nobody will call me in the middle of the night that your code is broken <laughs> it does nothing so there is no bugs you know um but anyway, i i remember you know a few years ago when i was working on um a different closure project than i'm working on right now it's like okay at some point we we thought we're, we we went through similar kind of exercise and then we started debating okay at this point it's better to write java because it looks like java anyway because i keep yeah. throwing mm-hmm. all the type signatures all the all the way and then i don't use any of the dynamic stuff anymore like what is the fucking point you know then i can just switch to scala or or java so where is the where is the line for you where do you see that still keep the closure in ness but squeeze the enough performance and the trade off yeah so that's one of the uh the important parts in measuring and profiling first because yep. most performance isn't actually there. So besides mm-hmm. avoiding uh, reflection, which is yep. just a bad mm-hmm. form in general, most mm-hmm. performance is lost on uh, iteration and mm-hmm. dispatching through kind of uh, more dynamic or reflective APIs. And that can actually be avoided. Mm-hmm. Because if you know at compile time, Uh, what you're iterating on, and you can actually know that plenty of times. So you don't need to detract from the readability or beauty or legibility of your code. You just mm-hmm. you, you need something that will work with you at compile time, yeah. at some form, and let you work with that. And that's the like the just when I thought I was. Uh, out they pull me back in and mm-hmm. and 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 Tommy's talk from uh reclosure uh ended up with me writing uh CLJ fast which is 
it started out as just a collection of heuristics. It's like, okay, I can take get in, and if I unroll get in to a series of gets, oh my god, it's two, three, five times faster. And mm. as I was compiling these heuristics and working more on that, I realized that I was just doing something a compiler would be doing. Mm. Because yeah. what compilers do constant elimination and partial application and yeah, tree shaking yeah tree, tree shaking and specifically loop and rolling and stuff like that yeah and, yeah. Like, yeah and avoiding iteration is loop and rolling mm -hmm. and and one of the problems is, is that iteration and closure if it goes through first and rest it isn't just slow it also generates garbage mm -hmm. because you call rest 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 uh, all the time on a vector yeah, for yeah, example yeah. and you keep allocating every time you do so mm -hmm. if you find a way to avoid that you get faster code quote unquote for free and yeah. that actually took me back to like the the, the fun useless uh, shit which is <laughs> okay how do, how do i write a compiler or how do i write compiler passes to that because i i don't want to just give someone a, a collection of heuristics i want to give them something that they can apply wherever on on mm -hmm. things that the heuristics don't know yet or don't apply to yeah. yet. And how do you write like a, a general purpose closure inliner or a general purpose mm -hmm. closure um, partial evaluator? Mm -hmm. And that gave me an excuse to get back into things like uh, uh, CoreLogic and Mini Canron. And, yeah. and now the, the faraway goal is porting. Uh, eval to canron okay and like to call logic and and then i could maybe i could write like a partial evaluator for closure okay. code let's step back a little bit and unwrap a little bit because you know um, can you talk about you know what clj fast is and what is actually doing it okay it's it says in the name it's faster closure yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's but, understandable but but what, but without writing closure that looks it? like java that, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like so that. That's the value proposition. How does it do that? Yeah, uh, it does it. Uh, the The first rule of a macro club is to turn everything to a macro, and <laughs> <laughs> so so you take the, the the only tool that closure looked at and said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't, and uh, you go you all in. Basically, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, because what, what do macros do? They let you jack in and at compile time and just do whatever so i just jack it at compile time and do whatever so my guess <laughs> is that there is only one macro in cljfr that says fast and then i just need to wrap my entire namespace into fast and then that's it i'm done so it, it gives you drop-in replacements for the uh, big offenders let's say yeah which are yeah. get in update in a sock in uh mm -hmm. merge uh select keys these are the like the most uh, pathological uh, functions in terms of performance mm -hmm. in core closure. Mm. Yeah, and you can use them like you would the higher order functions, but mm -hmm. you can't use them as higher order functions. You, you yeah. can use them at call site. You you can't pass them as arguments, and if you uh, if you make that compromise, you get back. You get all the performance improvements that they promise. 
which are okay, but two to five times speed ups depending on the function. Does that mean they are only usable in? Uh, does that mean they're only usable in my application code? Because usually, when when you're building closure code, you know, well, not usually. I mean, that's kind of a standard thing that you keep pulling code from different libraries, right? Yeah, so, so they, you can still be them. using underlying thing. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I want to to try is to mm-hmm. add uh, some way of installing them on closure core vars as yeah, inline exactly. meta. Yeah. But yeah, one of the problems is that if you can't inline, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. Call yourself because then you'll get stuck in an infinite loop inside the uh, <laughs> macro expansion phase. So you you yeah. have to also provide an alternative. But yeah, you can do that. And but I I need to do that. That's like the yeah. the logical next step for the project. But I'm kind of afraid of exposing that because yeah. uh, either you'll do that in your application. And then you'll complain, oh my god, you broke my code because there is some case I I did. I, the programmer, the, the library developer, did not consider, and mm. uh, it was just used uh, willy-nilly, and yeah. I, I, mm. I don't want that on my conscience. Or, yeah. uh, or the one thing I, I'm even more afraid of is that a library that you require might uh, install it. Oh yes. yeah. yeah, and yeah. and then An it's like version uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah, my code or, is faster suddenly, which is yeah. pretty cool, you know? <laughs> yes, but uh, again, it might break your code and you don't yes, need that. Yes. So yeah. that's something I need to consider and like, provide a ton of caveats and warnings and maybe like uh, have really fine gra- grained control over how those are installed. It's like you, you install mm-hmm. only uh, specific. Uh, Two specific functions, yeah, not yeah. all of them at once. But yes, that's the logical next step. I'm just chicken. <laughs> so, so let's just can, walk can you... through this, um, like get in. Why is get in slow? Because I think yeah. that would be a good, um, exactly. a relatively straightforward. Everyone knows get in. So you know why yeah. is that a slow? Let's, so, let's get in to get in. Yeah, yeah. So, let's go. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> it's slow due to two reasons. One of them because it just iterates over a, a sequence of keys, right? Mm-hmm. So, and if you know the content of the sequence at compile time, you don't need to do the iterations at runtime. You can uh, expand that series of calls at compile time, right? You, you already know that. But there's another reason mm-hmm. specifically that get in is slower than uh, it can be, and that's because it is defined before reduce. Is defined in closure, and since closure code is loaded sequentially, it has to use an internal implementation of reduce, which is slower but still correct, in order to even work, mm. and which is called reduce one, which mm. uh, iterates over the sequence, not using the reduce API, but using first and rest, which, like I said previously, is even slower and generates garbage, mm. and you mm-hmm. find that people usually pass. Uh, vectors as uh, the arguments to get in. And Mm -hmm. reducing over a vector via the reduce API, super fast, really good, way to go. Reduce one is slower on a vector than it is on a list. Mm -hmm. 
So um, sucks to be you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a quick win patch for closure core is to use to change get in to use reduce and not reduce one. That's so, a really yeah. quick win. They need to it's declared defined after get in. Yeah, or change <laughs> that to get in one and to define get in later after reduce again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of the reasons which it's slow. Same for update in, same for soaks in uh, places which take variadic arities, uh, places which take a small number of variadic arities and then do iteration at runtime. For example, compose. If you mm -hmm. compose more than uh, three functions, you don't just allocate, you reduce over the sequence of functions every time you call compose. Right. So that's slow, that's kind of wasteful, and that also doesn't work well with the just-in-time compiler because you could end up with like one function which is composed and that will get optimized uh, numerous times every time you pass through it. Yeah, okay. So I mean, you're really talking about these kind of functions that are sitting inside of tight loops or very heavy loops. Yeah, but um, well, like, what's a tight loop? When you map over a sequence of one million elements, it becomes a tight loop, whether you want it yeah, or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's not the sort of thing that you're worried about at the beginning of the program when you're doing configuration reading and that kind of stuff is what I mean. Or when you mm -hmm. know you're not going to be consuming large amounts of data. Or yeah. once, you're like in, once you're in the core line of like, oh, I'm going to be streaming through you know, a log file or some other big stream of data, then you or, need to... Yeah. Or consuming from Kafka forever. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at full speed, nonstop. Hmm. Then yeah, that that's where these things become relevant, and you know, to to fulfill my uh, contractual obligations, I must uh, <laughs> I must emphasize these caveats. Don't just go optimizing <laughs> and shaving nanoseconds off loading a config file. Do it on your hot loops, <laughs> and after you measure it, or Alex will chase me with a chainsaw or an axe <laughs> or something. I, I I don't I don't want. Uh, another talking to because <laughs> so, <laughs> because someone uh, m misread my advice with uh, too much enthusiasm. Right, but th then I think we should talk about a little bit about you know how you should decide to you know add CLJ fast viewer to your project or CLJ. You know, it's oh, not simple. just oh I'm going to starting a new project, so just add this one and then everything will be faster for some reason. You shouldn't. You know, th yeah. So what should be the... First rule of CLJ fast. Never Don't use, use it yet. yet. <laughs> you shouldn't. There, there, are two, there are two reasons you should even consider it. And yeah. one is looking at your uh, Amazon bill at the end of the month mm -hmm. and, and saying, I can't afford this. And only if you're saying, <laughs> I can't afford this. <laughs> then you should ask yourself, okay, where am I spending this money? Is it on compute? Yeah. Like, if it's it on, on programmers, <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> if I'm spending this money yeah. on compute and not on storage, not on S3, on yeah. instances, not on the traffic. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. If you're spending yeah. it on instances, then you should profile. Don't add CLJ fast yet. Go profile your code yeah. and have yeah. results. Have like actionable should, results. 
that's look i mean uh, that that's a, that's a really nice point and and so what kind of things that you recommend to profile your your stuff um hmm. for specifically you know keeping closure in your mind because you know java we have plenty of tools out there people are using and uh, there is a, a bunch of tooling available which is mature enough but if you're using closure because closure produces a certain way of bytecode and hmm. so what 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 would be your recommendation well first like the java tools are good and mm. if you're running on the JVM, take advantage of them. Yeah. And uh, and you can even embed CLJ async profiler in your application, which I've done mm -hmm. several times. And you can trigger it externally and just start profiling your application for a minute and get back mm. uh, like the best profile you can get, which is of a live application. But you know, yep. CLJ mm -hmm. async profiler. Um, Java Flight Recorder, Visual VM, use them. There's nothing about Closure which says you can't use everything there is for the JVM, which is one of the best instrumented runtimes ever. Just use yeah. it. And and find where your problems are before you just you know start treating everything like a nail with you know your happy hammer in hand. <laughs> and and after you profile, if you find that you're wasting like a ton of profile, a ton of time inside closure core functions, and you want to keep your code idiomatic, and you know it's your application code, not some library or whatever, then maybe mm -hmm. consider using CLG fast, but not before. Mm. Like there's a ton of things you can do before you reach for it. Mm. And it, it, it's really, it's actually more for, I'd say library authors or stuff like that, and where they want to give themselves a more human-friendly API, but you know, still have the best performance that they can. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice pitch for your library, by the way. I mean, don't use it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't need it, <laughs> and and yes. the the other case where you you might need it is if you are not meeting any of your KPIs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're specifically throughput or response time. If you're not mm -hmm. meeting those, then again, go profile and figure out why. Yeah. So thinking about, because the, most of the functions, I'm, I'm assuming most of the functions, because I haven't gone through the, the namespace uh, of CLJ fast. So they're mostly improving upon things that you have in Closure Core, right? Yeah. The, the, the function that we have. So what? why do you think, or maybe let me put it this way. So when do you think closure core should change to these versions of these functions besides what i said about get in which can use reduce yeah. Yeah. Uh, only if better support for inlining is added hmm. because currently inlining is only predicated on the arity mm -hmm. if inlining could be predicated on the arguments themselves, mm -hmm. then it should be considered. Okay, but not otherwise. So it's not it's not something that you can just open a PR and well, not PR obviously, send a patch to <laughs> <laughs> to the closure core. Uh, it, it's not it's not a matter of okay, let's improve this to a faster version. It's not just you, that you level. Could... You could, mm -hmm. but you need to. Um, but you'll be adding inlining uh, 
to mm. other expressions where there wasn't before either. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it, it's a really big patch and that's not where the, that's not where the problem is 90% of mm. the time, not, not 90, 99% of the time. Like the, yeah. the problems are usually where people are using flatten or satisfies mm. where they shouldn't not. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm churning. Get in like a like yeah, you know what, and uh, yeah, yeah. and 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 that's <laughs> eating all my CPU. No, that that's not there. Yeah. But if you're writing a library, for example, and you want to say, oh my god, my library is so competitive, it's faster than everything else under the sun. So that that's a that's the place to you know inject some stories into your code or something, but not yeah. in general, I'd say. Okay. And so. But I think one of the things I saw in the get in was, for instance, you could use like a thread first instead of get in. Um, yeah. And that seems like quite an easy win and still quite idiomatic. Correct. But are you going to do that uh, under the hood or you know, to just add that to closure? Because if you just add that to closure, you add this change for all users. And oh no, suddenly, no, no, no! I'm just saying as a oh, sort of uh, heuristic, like you were talking about oh, before. Oh yeah, exactly. And this is also why this was the like the, the first use case because it was it, it's it's so apparent how you can do that and why it works. Then that it's like the uh, case study to start with. Mm. But you know, even one thing to consider, especially when you're starting to look at esoteric stuff like uh, performance. If you add inlining and code expansion to Clojure, suddenly uh, methods are going to have bigger bytecode. Mm. And not only can, in some cases, those things be optimized less well than before, although given Clojure's performance uh, profile, it's usually not the case, some methods won't compile anymore because you'll get a method body to a large exception, which you you only see in core async sometimes when you write like a huge, huge, huge uh, go block. You might uh, come across such a thing. But who knows? Maybe, you know, if you start mixing all of those and someone had like a big function to start with, that function won't compile anymore. Mm. And you don't want that on your conscience. Mm. <laughs> that is something I have never seen. No, <laughs> at least yeah, so I, at I've least seen it a couple of times. <laughs> it's like uh, take a, a form which is like huge to begin with, and try, for example, instrumenting it with Cider's debugger. Yeah, and you might get uh, this exception, hmm. it, and it needs to be a really big function. Yeah, yeah. So nice. Uh, so surprises abound. <laughs> so basically, it's Emacs that usually produces these problems. Emacs produces no problems, only solutions. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I need to ask the question. But anyway, you know, for the sake of, for the sake of. <laughs> if you require assistance, please dial Emacs. Emacs doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so Emacs or some other shit. <laughs> 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 so uh, I, I use Emacs for the same reason I fell into programming because I had nothing better to use it was either that or an, an edit <laughs> I was like 
wow, I can download packages which enhance my user experience. My God, I'm using <laughs> Emacs. <laughs> I couldn't install an IDE or something fancy like that because no yeah. pseudo permissions. And, and, and also, no CPU cores. It's like no. I, had, I had four gigabytes to work with and like one core. So, so there, there is a precedent for you getting into making things faster, <laughs> giving you the <laughs> slowest possible computer so you can make everything else faster. <laughs> or, or, you know, no, you know, relative to, to Vim, Emacs was a bit slow. Uh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the user experience was an improvement. Yes. So uh, w- when you grow up in darkness... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I adopted the darkness. I was born into it. <laughs> nice. So, so I, I, I was born in, uh, you know, in, in adverse uh, circumstances and had to make do. <laughs> nice. Um, so this CLJ fasting right now is it something that um, you use in most of the critical infrastructure that you have or wherever you find the performance things in um, at your work like how, how is it being used right now it's usually not because that's again not where the problem is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's usually people not paying enough money to AWS that is the problem <laughs> yeah or you, you know you, you need to tear out some database and replace yeah, it with yeah. another and it's a huge refactor and that, that's where the effort should go and not to mm-hmm. uh put in CLJ fast in this little place or that little place. But yeah. uh, I can think of, you know, a few use cases, but not plenty. And and you could probably offload half of that to uh, transformers in uh, Mali and call it a day. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so you usually that- don't need CLJ fast. Uh, that's yeah, because I, I like you say a lot of it is down to other things, external things to um, to closure. Usually networking or databases or file systems or whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, you're blocking. Right? Yeah, change your application <laughs> yeah. code to be non-blocking. Good luck. See you in two quarters. <laughs> uh, so th- that's how things usually go, right? And it's it, it's fun to you know run these experiments and to and to you know make a line go up and to get the the, the biggest and most beautiful numbers and okay uh, now i've done that and and in the industry things and uh considerations are different and emphasis mm. is on other things but it's fun and i learned a ton <laughs> of things and 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 now i'm really good at finding the problem but the problem is usually not in your get in yeah, yeah. So we're getting out of getting now. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but but that, that lets me like get back into like the 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 fun things or like the beautiful things and the interesting mm. things because yeah. because again I di- I didn't want it to be a heuristic process. Mm. So I went around reading about how you compile. Like, what's the general problem? The general problem is compilation. So I started reading about how you compile functional languages and. And mm. then I find myself reading papers about compiling Haskell, and it's actually very interesting. And mm. the 
the core Haskell compiler is pretty simple, and it's actually something that you know if you give me you give me a, a month of quiet and intense concentration, I could probably port this to run on tools analyzer hmm. and that would be interesting, and who knows what will come out of that and like there's no rule that says that you can't use, for example, a different compiler for closure, right? And mm. uh, and the approach has always been the core is small, the core makes sense, the core promises you stability. But if, mm. if you want something else, there's libraries for that, and community libraries or contrib libraries or whatever. And no one did that yet, but who is to say you can't use a community compiler? Yeah, and and there has been attempts to make like forks of closure, sure. but they were ambitious in that they wanted to build on top of closure and to change closure. And I'm saying let's not change closure. I want your closure to stay written exactly the same. I want everything else to change around it. Mm-hmm. But but then you, I find myself running up against the wall of I'm just not smart enough to understand those things and and type theory and. So you're building a compiler tower. That's what your goal is at this point. Yeah. So that's what I'm I'm, I'm building towards. But uh, uh, it's kind of rickety <laughs> right now. Yeah. But um, but I always find myself find falling into some other rabbit hole to also you know understand this problem better because, like I mentioned previously, if I write some form of partial evaluator like something else with evaluation semantics maybe that will just let me like run what can be run and that is inlining essentially like you you, Mm -hmm. this is the part that you do know this is the part where you don't know and it it works it works great and there are projects to do that and it's like there is and there are like flashes in darkness of people who started things or proofs of concepts. There's uh, Tim Baldridge um, made some initial port of uh, Bow, if you're familiar with it, which implements uh, F expressions in mm-hmm. uh, Closure, which are both macros and functions, but mm-hmm. they run at runtime, and I want to do the opposite. I want something that will run only at compile time, and then there's again the eval implemented in Canon or something similar. Yeah. So that that's how I uh, I keep myself entertained by looking back <laughs> into <laughs> into the, the the beautiful useless uh, stuff, which is like very complicated. And I wish I I both had more time and I don't know. More, more brain power, more, uh, more capabilities and capacities to even deal with that and understand it. But the the idea that you're you're floating or you mentioned that um, you know, closure language and then closure compiler, like different types of compilers for the same thing, which which is something Haskell did as well, right? There is a Haskell specification. You have GHC, which is a kind of canonical Haskell compiler. And you have several other Haskell compilers as well available. C, 
another example, you know, that there is several different compilers. This is not really that far-fetched, right? Because, you know, Mikhail builds Sai, which is kind of, well, not a compiler, but is a small closure interpreter, which is a kind of a subset of the thing. So it is similar to that, right? It's not really that um, blasphemic to say that, okay, we're going to create a different compiler for for closure. Um, maybe not a fork, maybe a complete rethinking of how the compiler should be built with different principles. Because, you know, the closure has been built like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, then there is a different techniques available, different um, JVM is changing as well. So there might be other things that we could add uh, without breaking the existing one. So if you want stability, you stick with that one. And then while this new experiment continues, exactly. it's not that far-fetched, is it, right? Yeah, and there's just like, there's room for new ideas. And basically yeah. the closure compiler has no compilation passes. Mm. And it, it's one of the, it's one of the promises in Clojure, right? It's it's simple yeah. and dynamic, and you mm. need that, especially for development time. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. you're building a, a single artifact in the end, which is an application which mm. runs somewhere, maybe you don't need that. Yeah. And there's room for those considerations. Yeah. Because I think it's uh, something similar to, maybe conceptually similar to, or... You know, uh, there used to be different JVMs as well. Well, still there is, I think, there, there are. <laughs> because, you know, JRocket was supposed to be super fast JVM compared to other ones. And they, they were, uh, Borland people were innovating by changing the JVM, or runtime, Java runtime, sorry. Um, even faster, different ways of doing this. So you could write Java, compile it, and then commercially, when you're running it on production or something, you switch to JRocket to, to, to squeeze every bit of performance. And, and the, uh, this isn't for, the only, and, and this is happening today too. The yeah, well, yeah. the the Graal VM uh, exactly. JVM yes, yes. is a new yeah. JVM which is developed yeah. by Oracle, and yeah. and it has like a different compiler, and this mm. compiler should allegedly yep. give you better performance for languages like Clojure and Scala, yeah, because it handles the dynamic code better. Mm. I think Mikhail is uh, Mikhail Borkend has actually proven that uh, that Psi runs faster yeah. than uh, yeah. Clojure. There's yeah. not all not for all cases, obviously. I'm not yeah. trying to yeah. say that, you know. And, but and this is like uh, ahead of time compilation. But even if you mm. use the just in time compiler at runtime, mm. you do get better performance, mm. especially for languages like Scala and Clojure, because mm. it it's just it's new. And it does new mm. things which you can't necessarily backport to the old uh, just-in-time compiler. Just has a different yeah. approach, and yeah. with different approach come different results. Mm. Yeah. Now, so is this something that you have on your radar? Like you're, you're thinking because you're you're going deep into how code is built and how it is being compiled, and you're you're. I might even say you're going back to your lower level of abstractions <laughs> that you're used to when you started. <laughs> So is this something that that you think is um, a reasonable goal for community to rally around? And then, you know, it, it, does it give um, enough, you know, return on investment uh, doing this? Because as you said, we're not changing the language at all because language is the language. That's it. It's more of the, you know, how do you compile the thing changes? Yeah, I. It, it's possible. Like I, mm. 
I wrote, uh, even managed to write about half of the uh, beta reduction pass on mm-hmm. Tools Analyzer. So it's completely mm-hmm. possible and doable, right? The mm-hmm. the question is, sh- should should we? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I know it's possible, but is yeah, this yeah. what the community needs to rally behind right now and to invest resources in? And stuff? I, I don't think so. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's it, it can be uh, a nice pet project and you know something to to keep on the back burner and perhaps as a proof mm-hmm. of concept and as a beginning of an implementation and to see if it's possible and mm-hmm. if it is great and if someone really needs it then they will invest time in it but i don't see a burning need for that yet yeah like that yeah yeah there are both like uh, other problems and other stories uh, well, yeah. my, my guess is that these kind of things, and again, you know, it's just uh, I, I, my my guess is that these these things are rarely useless, and you might find that, for example, you could come up with some tooling uh, on the basis of these things that could help developers. You know, not necessarily something at runtime or actually compile time that really affects running code um, as such, but but I can easily imagine having those kind of additional bits of data that you could inject via that extra compilation phase being something useful at development time actually even before that uh one of the most interesting problems here is type inference and the clj condo for example does a partial type inference and you can even connect this with the tools like mali but Mm. imagine if you could because now, for example, Closure, uh, CLJ Condo doesn't keep track of the types associated with values, like with keys inside a map. It knows that something which returns is an associative collection, but mm-hmm. it doesn't keep track of the type for each value. But you could. Mm-hmm. So yes, you yeah. could. So even without writing a compilation pass. Even just a type mm. inference pass could be mm. incredibly useful, and this right, is something yeah. which which is worth investment in. But yeah, definitely. It, but but it needs like a ton of theory on top of it. That it's not <laughs> trivial at all. No, 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 no. But it just seems to me that a lot of these things where you in, where you kind of invest time and effort into understanding these phases of compilation of you know how the language is actually yeah generated th- these kind of things will eventually pay you back. And like you say, you might find some bit of infrastructure that suddenly could help plug into linting tools or other kind of performance tools mm-hmm. or code formatting, not formatting, but code ma- uh, management tools. You know, detecting that this bit of code over here is the same as that bit of code over there and why you, oh, yeah. why have you got it in two places, these kind of things. You know. Yeah, although uh, there are arguments why you actually would want to to duplicate code sure. in some uh, circumstances, but the one of the coolest projects I have seen recently is someone wrote uh, Hindley Milner uh, type inferencer type. on top of Mali. Ah. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> I, I saw that and it blew my mind because if there's like any 
thing or any work to throw weight behind and like involvement behind and things which could pay dividends well, not in a month but in a year it's that i'd say that that is something which you know for for my money and i this got me excited it's one of those things yeah yeah so what you're saying is that you know because there is a long dream isn't there that uh maybe he's putting i mean obviously spec is a kind of type of types on top of language but you're saying you can do it through inference as well and then you can actually inject real types yeah but even with predicative types you can do it i mean hmm, okay sure. you 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 have a spec but how do you propagate the data about your spec throughout your code right because mm -hmm. it's okay you have some type associated with a key but mm -hmm. how do you know three functions down the line that right. this because when you access that key how do you know that you're going to get that type so yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do it with a spec just as well as you can do it with uh with another system but propagating this type and and mm -hmm. you and, and and now you go back to logical programming and like unifying all this data mm -hmm. and across the the code base and also finding where this unification failed and reporting it is like the hard and very interesting and very useful challenge mm. and and we we're probably moving in that direction and in the direction of like more tools and things which run on top of the code and like mm, right because it if we generalize like the idea of okay a compilation pass is just some pass that runs over our code but everything is a pass that runs over our code like type inference and linting and compilation itself we're just passing over our code and we're doing something to it and how how much can we do with that idea and how far can we take it and 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 also if you watched um uh, Jerry Sussman's talk from uh, from the reclosure, where he talks about the idea of just overlaying more data on your code, and just mm -hmm. another layer of data and another layer of mm -hmm. data, and those things can perhaps come into play at runtime or just at compile time, or both, and like where the code represents more than one thing at. Uh, at a single instant, right? Mm. But it's it's like an architect's uh, plan where you you have like different layers, mm, different views, different elevations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we can start treating our code like that, or build tooling for the code which do that. And spec kind of does that, right? It's it's a layer of annotation which you can activate yeah. at like at runtime and you can activate it at compile time or like at spec time you you add another time you you add mm -hmm. another time slice for your like the the development uh work cycles yeah i mean like you said that i mean this is one of these fundamentally annoying problems is because it's kind of like uh we're waiting on spec 2 where we're kind of like the, the the tool building exercise hasn't really started in 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 earnest yet, so I think there's a lot of incipient work um, or a lot of put putative work 
that could definitely be released on the back of that kind of um, you know a solid foundation. Yeah, but there's also other tooling which we can build, and that that's like radically different tooling. And one of the sure. weird ideas I've been uh, playing with, and the blog post I need to finish, and it's at who knows how many words by now. Uh, one of the things, for example, which annoy me to no end with Git is that while well, Git is a graph and it's nice and good, the it it, it saves diffs and oh great, it saves diffs, it's immutable, it's uh, it's functional, it's beautiful, but those diffs are in lines of text. But yeah. but if you treat your code as a graph or uh, as a database, then you can talk about changes in your code as changes in the database. And we mm -hmm. already have a plethora of databases for storing graph-like data and uh, treating them as like immutable things. And we, we even have today a language for saving the diffs, which is, uh, mm. um, uh, well, well, what's the name of this project? Um, uh, diff script, I think. Oh. Which reifies diffs in uh, in closure data as a, as okay. a sequence of instructions. So fuck it, let's throw all the code into uh, <laughs> in, in, into Datomic, and our version control will just be uh, the the log because there, that's isn't isn't it something that um, sounds good? Shiki mentioned with the codex, right? I mean, with the pardon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Codec. Codec project, yeah. When Datomic was announced, I think Richiki was building this storing code as codecs, like smaller structural things uh, inside Datomic. So storing, it's basically replacing the whole. Yeah, the idea that, is that you make ions, it, you make right? it based on no, no, no. Codec yeah. is this like Codec. didn't really happen kind no, of no, like no. project, it like, yeah. yeah, and it was based around this idea of using functions or vars as the as the basic model for structuring everything and not not yeah. lines of text or even repos in fact you know to use the to use yes, the, the information about the whole project which is yeah, you know yeah, yeah. where i think you know you know that i'm interested in that kind of space as well yeah and you know maybe one day we'll make it to the 80s to where <laughs> dog okay yeah uh, everything okay there uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe one day we'll make it to the '80s where small talk was, and we'll <laughs> finally have a, a, an image-based uh, closure where the code yeah, is yeah. saved in a database and everything is just data. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I'd love that idea. Yeah, but uh, th there are like a ton of barriers for making it happen, you know, even. Yeah. How do you share that? Yeah. How do you how do you collaborate? Well, I mean, if that? you if you worked in the nineties with Visual Source Safe, that's how you used to share it. You just share it on them. You don't check in, and nobody can check out, and you're fine. That or you just share it like you know on SharePoint. You just copy the folder somewhere, and then. No, I think you can have you can. I mean, my 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 view of this is quite straightforward. Ben is you can you can have like. You can have an image and you can share the image. But there's no problem because if two people have the same runtime installed, you can do that. That's not that's fine. 
just just like uh, you know merging databases, if you like, or having distributed databases. That's definitely solvable. The biggest problem is if people don't want to, if, if people want to use Emacs rather than your image editor, then you that's have to have a, you have to have an externalized, <laughs> you have to have a serialization format, and that's that's yeah. just Git, isn't it? That's the standard like file based serialization format that is closure yeah. now. So we've already got like Eden as a serialization format, so it's it's relatively straightforward. The problem you do your problem though is you'd lose some of the metadata and some of the image information. You know, lose might be a funny word, but you know, that that's you, know, you, you can store that somewhere else or emit that somewhere else as a sort of you know configuration mm-hmm. data. So, so I don't the- think it's insoluble. Theoretically, you could uh, you could emit all of it, like both in Absolutely. text files yeah. and even as because then you can run like the diffs on the text files and and generate the git diffs yourself so someone could theoretically just you know that download the uh you you could expose it as git right exactly yeah but but that is like still dead code or stateless code but imagine if you will because for that you won't only need the uh the database you would also need an editor so you have a VM, you have an editor, you have uh, a database which replaces your file system. So you have an operating system. You know, and, you just have a database with uh, an editor. That's that's kind of normal. I mean, most of these that, editors, that's kind like, of Emacs. These ID, no, these <laughs> well, these these IDEs basically have databases with editors, uh, databases at the back end for indexing and that kind of stuff. That's how yeah, that's but, how they do all this kind of like. Uh, Static yes, analysis, but, static but you're analysis running on a VM too. So the VM is like mm-hmm. you have a user interface in terms of the editor. You have the database instead of a file system, and it's epochal, so it's purely functional. And you mm-hmm. have the VM, which replaces the, your operating system. And then all you need is a a global namespace. And then you could have because if, for example, like you had a global DNS for everyone, like. Even if you refer to it through GitHub reverse DNS, sure, you're yeah, peer to peer networking. So I could like directly clone this code, or even just read the code, because we, we're all talking the same language, like the the language of the database. So if we're all talking the same language, I could just query your database for this. Absolutely, why not? Yeah, yeah. So that's like the the late the farthest you can take this idea and isn't this uh, something similar to maybe i haven't gotten it into it fully yet but uh, isn't this something that uh, runar and uh, what's the other guy paul chizana from scala community building like the unison language because that, yeah, that, a bit like that seems yeah. to be having the similar kind of ideas around it right content like, based you know content yeah, based yeah. addressing for functions yeah 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 exactly Yes, but that's only for your code structure. What you talked about, recognizing, for example, that two pieces of code are the same, so you're just storing them the same. But that's like yeah. an optimization. Hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. But this is like a a, a very uh, the, this closes like the gap between the a personal development and personal computing on this platform mm. and collaboration. Mm. Yes, and it's like what you're lacking here 
as a, a way, not just a protocol for communication. And by the way, we can all just uh, uh, transmit Eden uh, to one another, like yeah, uh, yeah. civilized yeah. individuals. <laughs> so yeah. we 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 all communicate data back and forth, and and we all exist in one unified uh, namespace, which we can just use DNS for. And then you can even think about it as one distributed database where yeah, all the absolutely. data is namespaced, right? Yeah. So you create, and, and technically, right, if you, if you really wanted to get technical, that, that's also a blockchain. But instead hey. of, but, <laughs> no. but instead <laughs> of, blockchain. <laughs> but it, it's, yeah people focused and not like money yeah. or trade or whatever focused right? because it, it is yeah, yeah. It, it's still like cryptographically uh verified because that that's how you communicate via https and yeah yeah and it's all kept track of because er, all the communication will probably be written to your database but mm. yeah and you can have a merkle tree for the git Equivalence, you know, to exactly. reduce but, your reduce your diffs, etc. But but the the thing that stands at the center of this system is the individual user, and not like some distributed uh, transaction log. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, this is like an an emergent property or an emergent structure you can find in this, and. But it, it functions very, very differently than, let's say, existing blockchains, because it doesn't care mm. about trade at all. Trade isn't even a function here. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just the I mean, way it happens. Work. Sharing and, and globally distributed database. That's it. That's all it it is. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, the main the main reason why blockchains uh, have these characteristics of trading, etc., is just because they want to use tokens to to let's say, allocate resources in a fair way. Because if you've got a distributed environment, you need some mechanism to make sure there's fair play in that in that environment. So, you know, you, you have to think about that. Um, I'm not saying that the blockchain is the answer or cryptocurrency is the answer, but but there is a reason why they exist. Yeah, I'm not saying that you but, what, don't what, need them. You what, need what some you mean, like form making of... sure that uh, Making sure that people getting... Um, rewarded for participating in it or well let's like say everything costs money to like host or to you know to manage at, yeah. at some point if you've got a globally distributed environment someone's yeah. got to host that thing and yeah. so they have to costs have to be paid or yeah. even yeah. look at it backwards you you want to make sure you need to throttle the process in some way because for example you don't want someone to ddos you right we yeah, all exist now in a global thing database. You, yeah yeah. If you remove the the so-called financial aspect of it, I mean that's basically CPAN, that's basically PIPE, that's basically NPM, and you know Maven. And nobody's well, but NPM and Maven have things. financial aspects. Where? Well, someone's, someone's paying, paying for, for those. Storage, yeah, yeah, totally. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there but is you some, can't remove the that, financial aspects. No, no, You're no. no I mean, say remove not, them. No, no, no. I, what I meant is that 99% of the people who are using it, participating it, pushing to it. Are not getting rewarded, or not thinking. Oh right, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, yeah that's what yeah, I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. so if if there is enough minds or enough people who who can host this, who can build and then support this, because there is no frenzy of 
you know i'm going to mine and then get the share and make get rich quick you know sort of shit yeah, is yeah, eliminated yeah, yeah. then not, like since the days of cpan which is like back in the day like 20 30 years ago since pearl started you know we mm-hmm. do have that that uh, distributed even you know source forge <laughs> like and yeah. and you know But multiple mirrors of apache software so they're not distributed no, 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 that's I'm, the problem they're all yeah. they're no, 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 all no, central I, archives i totally agree but yeah. th- there is there is a precedent for removing the financial thing and still you know yeah. it's it's totally it's good for for the programming community on the whole right that that's the reason why it is being supported and there are companies behind it But doing yeah, but they're not removing the financial or... thing, though, BJ. This no, 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 no. It's just no. being but hidden th- underneath some centralized funding mechanism. Of, of course. So if we use that one, but change the, the technological component can be changed to what we are discussing now. That's sure, yeah, I now. totally agree and, with that. And, yeah, and, yeah. and let me throw another wrench in this because yeah. you're still relying <laughs> on something which is centralized for this to work, which is DNS. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's like if you really want to. uh to buy addresses and it's like you're not yeah. buying it from a reseller there's like yeah. six organizations in the world which yeah. you can buy it from and if yes. they decide you you're not buying one you're not buying one yeah yeah i mean dns is a mafia anyway yeah <laughs> well i mean you know it's a cartel there, there are uh, there, there are there are blockchain based dnss so you know yeah and you, and you uh, can all add me on gnu net and <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean i think we shouldn't mock these things you know people are doing no. you know they're the open source world and the linux world they are doing lots of interesting no, my heart goes out to systems peer to peer iot stuff you know there's a whole bunch of these things so you know i there there is some potential for for that kind of stuff but but i think the main point i'm trying to make anyway is that in order to get it to be distributed even if you have to have some like centralized addressing which wouldn't be too bad but um then you still have to have this concept of community now whether you yeah. do that community in terms of like you know everyone just basically having a kind of social contract let's say where there's enough people hosting uh or providing compute that we don't mm. need to pay for it which would be you know that would be the perfect situation yeah um but it's it's rare for humans to collaborate at such a scale you know that we might dream of although there's only like 4000 closure programmers who would ever do it so maybe, maybe you could put it in the terms no, and conditions yeah, first it's only 1000 to... programmers who are googling for closure there are plenty of people who are experts at closure who are not googling for shit first get so. them to agree on a dependency inversion framework because we are at about four <laughs> right now let's see we have component and then it wasn't fun enough so we have mount and then we had integrant and then we have clip and are there more I I oh, accidentally yeah. made one. I I I made one by accident <laughs> for which was specifically for like streaming data flow applications. So I made one by accident too. Uh but yeah, the, the so we have four and a half. Four and a half going once, going twice. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, look, I we're at, we're at, we're at, go on, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so we have other social here. problems to solve. <laughs> <here. laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to run out of time here. This is like... 
but th- this has been there's been quite a journey starting from indian mythology and ending up in blockchain <laughs> <laughs> there's probably we, a rule there's probably through. a rule about that isn't it everything that means this is going to be the future episodes it's like you know indian mythology blockchain and emacs all these three things have to we be should, in mind we should have our own um what's that uh every online discussion results in nazis yeah. you know? i like am every podcast uh, episode and and now we can tie it back with i am become blockchain the destroyer of the environment <laughs> <laughs> Th- that's what exactly what is written in bhagavad gita so you know yes that, that's the, the only creator. part i, I'm the I read i'm the creator <laughs> yeah but so that, everything so. is just me so you know <laughs> you're just witnessing this shit so <laughs> yeah so 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 don't feel sad so, exactly. don't don't feel yeah. distressed because you have to go to to war and kill a bunch of people who happen to be your cousins no. <laughs> everybody <laughs> yeah. uncles aunts you know everybody so you know just just eliminate the entire family tree it's it's not it's not, nothing is on you no exactly so, karma, so 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 don't feel bad about um, mining uh, cryptocurrencies on your uh, aunt's computer <laughs> 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 she doesn't need that cpu anyway exactly oh, <laughs> anyway on, on, crime and punishment all over again here <laughs> on that um, on that great piece of uh, financial advice <laughs> i think uh, i think we should reach to some sort of a conclusion and um you can find all the awesome stuff that uh, ben is working on on um uh, his github will link it, link that one and um the only thing if you if you zoned out on this one and a half hour episode the only thing that you need to remember is that go and replace every core function with clj fast function that's what <laughs> please, ben said please yeah. exactly that's that's exactly what i said just Uh, I think maybe you skipped one word there. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Urgently, you know? urgently I think was the word. Yeah. 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 Immediately. Do, do it fast. Yeah. <laughs> do it now. Exactly. <laughs> hey, uh it's been it's been a pleasure Ben uh, talking to you and I uh, apologize yeah. for the delay in uh, in in showing up. Shit happens. But uh, it's been um uh, super fun. um i'd love to see you know all the ideas that you're putting into clj fast being picked up you know the, the the whole compiler idea is super interesting to me as well as we discussed hopefully i think we'll we'll see more and more of it and uh, we you know end up paying less to bezos <laughs> so, <laughs> I, i i hope so i think we can all applaud <laughs> that one at the end yeah that's good <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing god's work <laughs> trying to trying to reduce his uh, net worth uh, you know a small dent in his net worth by making closure faster than running on on AWS I try when possible yeah yeah <laughs> thank you cool. guys um that's it from us and um we'll be back soon with more for defense stay tuned <laughs> <laughs> bye 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 thank you guys good night Thank you for listening to this episode of Defan and the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri and the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert I'm pretty sure I butchered his name um maybe you should insert your own name here Dullert Walter If you'd like to support us uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work 
or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray, with me, for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure and Slack or Closureverse, or on Zulip, or just at us at Deafen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.